0: Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. Lots going on as Washington tries to work through the throes of the fiasco of the government deal that almost wasn't. Here with the 2017 project and frequent contributor to the Weekly Standard is Jeff Anderson. So, Jeff, uh, late Wednesday afternoon, what do we know and when will we know it?
1: Well, Michael, it looks like there's a uh, some sort of Senate compromise uh, that's been hammered out by both parties and uh, looks to be headed toward a vote, I guess, as early as today. Um, it's not really very clear what that compromise is at this point. It seems to be pretty hush-hush. Uh, not many details have come out, but I think it's uh, pretty safe to say that what it, what it looks like is more, more of the same, that we've kind of gone through this whole process pretty much for nothing because it's going to come out about like uh, at the same place we went into it.
0: What, what do you mean by that? There'll be no changes to Obamacare, n- nothing?
1: Yeah, no, uh, no, no noteworthy changes to Obamacare. It looks like there may be a, uh, some, uh, some language requiring the Obama administration to actually verify people's incomes before they get the income-based subsidies that taxpayers will be fitting the bill for. Um, but I'm not really quite sure how much to trust that that would even uh, matter that much, even if that is part of the proposal, because that, was, that requirement was already in the law. Exactly. When President Obama... <laughs> President Obama decided he just wouldn't enforce that and would, would make it uh, the income verification on the honor system. And uh, and now Congress is apparently going to say, oh, no, you have to actually do what the law said originally. But since he didn't do that originally, I'm not so sure why he'll care about this round of, of uh, lawmaking on this front.
0: So all of the thrashing, all of the high-profile fighting, all of the media coverage, all of the hand-wringing over government shutdowns and possibly hitting the debt ceiling – and the Republicans have nothing to show for it. I'm thinking of that phrase that Con- uh, Speaker Boehner used not long ago, crap sandwich. I- am I in the right <laughs> part of the kitchen here, Jeff?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I, I guess another way to put it, thats true. But another way to put it is the Democrats don't really have anything to show for it either. I mean, it's really, it's all been kind of much ado about nothing. You've got um, everybody sort of in the same place as, I mean, we had uh, a current Budget deal in 2013 It looks like we'll have something very similar coming out of this process. And um, I guess the good news, if you will, is, is we get to play it all again in, in early uh, 2014 as the, the extension uh, of uh, th- these deals apparently go only until January or February. I think if they're increasing the debt ceiling until February and, and funding the government until some point in January. So there will be another round of this uh, for, for better or worse.
0: Uh, well, this is I think this is the frustrating part is You say the Democrats don't think show for it They have the, the chance to show that the Republican Party Has a, a major unity problem They've also had a chance to watch Republican poll numbers plunge And yes, it's true that President Obama's numbers are great And the Democrats aren't great either it, it, Poll after poll shows the Republicans paid a higher price And I think a lot of us who are you know, hoping for policy outcomes that are better, kind of, you know, voters in the stands cheering on the guys who are advocating our policies are looking at this going, this seemed to cost us a lot and doesn't seem to have gained us anything.
1: Yeah, I guess I would question how much it cost. I mean, certainly it was frustrating to watch the Republicans' uh, handling of this, and, and they do seem to have something of a unity problem, I would agree. But on the other hand, the Democrats have a, uh, a unity problem of the other sort. They're all just in lockstep behind Obamacare. Which the American people don't want and have never wanted, and you've got the entire Democratic Party just continuing to follow right along with President Obama and refusing to do anything as basic as delay the individual mandate, even after Obama lawlessly delayed the employer mandate, they won't. They won't touch it. It's just uh, it's it's their sacred cow, and and so they're going to march into the 2014 elections um, as full-fledged supporters of Obamacare, and same thing presumably in 2016, and. Here and there, they might admit to the the notion that it needs some tweaks, but I I think the American public uh, never wanted this thing, and and, uh, the fact that the Republicans are against it puts them in a lot better position. They just have to figure out how to actually um, combine the the sort of principle of the the Tea Party types on this with a little more prudence and uh, pragmatism.
0: Because this is, and I could be wrong about this, but it appeared that on Tuesday night, Speaker Boehner had a deal that would have had some concessions from Obamacare, minimal concessions having to do with uh, congressmen having to operate under the terms of Obamacare, possibly in the medical device tax thing was being talked about. And it seems as though the activists who were the most anti-Obamacare were the ones who stopped that deal from going forward. If that's the case, this seems to me like a completely unforced error that today you could have the president saying, I'm prepared to hit the debt ceiling theoretically tonight because I'm demanding the medical device tax and I refuse to give up special perks for Congress. If there, were, I mean, is is that a mistaken analysis? Because that's terrible.
1: <laughs> well, I think that Republicans absolutely should have pushed the special perks for Congress line much more aggressively. Um, I think. I mean, I think the major problem through all this, and a sort of, to my mind, an underreported aspect of it, is the the. Com- Almost complete failure on Republicans' part to actually get their messaging in line and then repeat it. The Democrats are always on message. It seems they they say the same thing over and over again, um, uh, you know, whether or not it's true. And um, and and the Republicans uh, got to where I think they needed to be at the start of the uh, of the month. They they had sort of zigzagged their way to to being uh to pushing they had agreed to fund the government but they were calling for a 1 year delay of obamacare's individual mandate which american people the american people hate the individual mandate they just wanted to delay it for a year a very reasonable proposition and they and they also wanted to end this congressional carve out which is illegal by the way the illegal congressional carve out they wanted to put a stop to that and that is not a position that democrats could have defended themselves against over a span of weeks or months the republicans had just stuck to it and Republicans stayed on that position for about two or three days, it seemed. And then they uh, saw a couple of polls they didn't like. Um, they were taken in the wake of them not having made the position for more than two or three days at most mm-hmm. at that point. And they And they got very quickly scared and decided to tack to a totally different direction. I think at this point, most Americans have no idea what the Republicans were asking for in this process. Mm-hmm. And I think if they could just stay on message and push on delaying the individual mandate and ending this illegal congressional carve-out for Obamacare, uh, when the next round of this comes around in early 2014, they could be in great shape. Um, And and whether or not they try to do it in the context of of those battles, they should certainly be making that case repeatedly um, in just an everyday kind of way.
0: But to use an analogy that we here in Boston currently like, one from baseball, um, if the Republicans are on the mound and they cannot get a strike across the plate, if they keep falling apart, they can't even put it when, 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 when Speaker Boehner can't call a vote because the, you don't have 218 people to carry the vote. If I'm president Obama, if I'm the Democrats, I'm going to sit at the plate and take whatever they throw, but figuring, Hey, who cares what they demand today? They're not going to be able to pass it tomorrow. Is that not a reasonable assumption to make after what we've seen the past six weeks?
1: Well, I think that there does seem to be this split in the Republican Party, and it seems that some of them kind of don't really even want to go up and take a swing. They think Obama's just too much of an overpowering pitcher, and we might as well just uh, uh, refuse to go up to bat at all. Um, And then there's others who want to go up there and try to swing for the fences on the first pitch, regardless of uh, the situation. I mean, there's a need, I think, on the part of the party to both show some, some patience and some real determination. And I think both of those were kind of in short supply, in this episode. And uh, hopefully there's an opportunity to learn from it and and not just get involved in a lot of, uh, you know, intra-party bloodletting and firing across uh, at at fellow Republicans. Um, uh, We'll see. We'll see what kind of lessons they learned going forward.
0: Uh, Well, let's hope you're right, but alas, history teaches us that if you ever look down the sights of a Republican gun, you will inevitably find a Republican foot. That is a problem. So I'm hoping that we will have learned something from this lesson. I think lesson one is to acknowledge that this was a dismal failure. Having no plan was a failure, and uh, uh, getting nothing out of all this effort was a failure. And if we learn that, then maybe we can go forward with a smarter strategy in the future. Jeff Anderson, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Michael.